earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the peoples see his Reach under the shirt. There we go. I apologize. I'm so loud to myself, I didn't realize that you couldn't hear me. But We're working on those mice. But we're delighted, delighted to have you here today. Would you do me a favor? Would you, um, would you pull out your phone and text your name 
to area code A124579509. And I gotta look, nine. I always wanna say seven, nine, five, oh, nine. And uh, if there's something going on in your life, if there's a way that we, as a part of the body of Christ, can minister to you during this time, please, please text that to us. Please let us know. And, and then if there's some way you're celebrating that God has provided for you, and he has provided, amen, just constantly through this trial, tell us that too, and we'll rejoice with you. While you're doing that today, just a couple of things going on in the life of our congregations. We're mindful that, that um, uh, for many, um, those going to uh, parochial schools, uh, their schools might have already started. We know that many more are starting tomorrow. Sorry for that bad news. Um, and um, many more will start in a couple of weeks. Um, next week, we're going to uh, just invite um, a time of dedication for our teachers, for our cafeteria workers, for our administrators, and for our students. And, and so we just, um, just invite you. This is just an amazing time. And, uh, and we just invite you to pray for our students, our teachers, and our administrators as they uh, love and care for our, for our kids. Uh, but today, we have this amazing privilege of, of setting apart our leadership. At a congregational meeting last week, um, you elected uh, incoming uh, elders and deacons to join our existing elders and deacons for, um, for the coming leadership term. And uh, we're just privileged today to be able to set them apart. I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? Um, uh, I know that different people have different comfort levels. And so if you are comfortable coming up front when, uh, when I call you, if you're here with us, then that is fine. If you're not comfortable, if you just stand where you are. For those of you watching online, even some of our leadership are not able to be with us here physically, we invite you to stand too. We're going to check and see that you are standing as, as we uh, ordain and install you today. But I want to mention first those who are... Um, those who are being ordained today, I want to just, um, just note that we are all called to be priests, every single one of us. We're going to see that big time in our new series, The Art of Being Human. There's not really a distinction between um, religious leaders and any other kind of leader. There's not a distinction, honestly, between clergy and laity, right? We are all called to be ministers. We're just called to different places and, and so uh, as we set apart uh, leaders for our congregation, we're not saying that they're any more important than you are. It's just that their particular field of leadership, their particular place of impact is with this community called the Olivet Community Church. But we are blessed and honored to um, live under authority of, of the leaders that you have elected, that God has set apart for, uh, for these tumultuous times that we're in. And so um, I would invite, um, if you are able, and, and we've got all kinds of challenges, don't we, Chris? If you are able to stand and make your way forward or stand where you are, but being ordained today are new elders, Chris Haywood, Dave Heerdink, and Miranda Flieger. You have to be a worship team member to be an elder. No, you don't, you don't have to do that. Um, we'll social distance. Dave, I'm going to need you, if you're comfortable, to come down. You can spread yourself out. Chris, if you'd move all the way over there in case anybody else is coming. I would invite uh, our, our uh, deacons who are going to be, I'm sorry, did I miss you again? Betsy, I apologize yet again. I misannounced it yesterday. Come on up, Betsy. Thanks for lending a hand. 
Betsy is also being ordained, not just installed today. Last week, I, I um, erroneously mentioned that she had been uh, ordained before in, in the Presbyterian Church, and she reminded me she has not. Um, so we just, your wisdom just overflows. It just seems like you have been, so we are blessed and honored. Um, I'm going to invite our uh, deacons who are being ordained. If you're comfortable, you can stand where you are or make your way forward as well. Tammy Haywood is uh, being ordained this morning as well, and... Um, that's why, Betsy, I put you on the wrong list. You're down here below on that deacon list. Um, Betsy is an elder. So um, in addition to these who are first-time leaders, in other words, being set apart for the ministry of the gospel, we have other leaders who are returning, and I want to invite them to come and stand at the second level, if you would. Andrew Sokup, if you are here today, if you will come join us. Carol Fair, if you are here and comfortable today, um, we invite you to come join us. Mike Freeman is not with us, but Mike, wherever you are, if you would stand. Barb Renshaw, Keith Marvel, uh, Kathy Turner, at whatever level you are comfortable, if you would come to the second level and, and stand behind them. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Ooh, I'm sorry. I missed other um, elders that are part of this team as well. Mark Taylor. Chad Lamb, if you would, Mark, go ahead and stay there. Mark's on the board back there. If you would um, come join us as well. Christy French, uh, Ann Taylor, Mary Freeman, stand in your living room, Mary. Barbara Sokup, if you are with us. Ann Hazen, I believe is here, yeah. If you're comfortable, Ann. Uh, and Doug Johnson, who is uh, in Colorado right now. Uh, Doug, if you'd stand where you are as well. Uh, what a privilege it is to, um, to make and keep promises. Amen? Isn't, isn't in, a, in a powerful sense, that the reality of integrity, right? Integrity, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, at any point, you can say, um, God, I choose from this day forward to, to make a covenant with you. I choose to honor and respect you before all the saints, and especially before um, non-believers, that you, God, are Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, are God, that you, Jesus Christ, are King of kings and Lord of lords. And so um, what you do today as you stand before us is join myriad saints who've gone before in testifying of the greatness and the glory of God. But honestly, honestly testifying also to the grace and mercy of God on broken people like me and you. Amen. So in, in the Church of Jesus Christ, we recognize there are offices that are set apart. One is, a, I saw my old language, minister of word and sacrament, but it is a teaching elder. And I'm privileged to be set apart for the role of teaching elder in our congregation. Um, but also there is this role of, of elder, and it's not so much about age thing. It's about seeking the face of God, capturing the heart of God, discerning God's will, and then sharing that, imparting that to the congregation. And elders, we're so grateful. We're so grateful that you are here to do that for us. There's also another office that's set apart. In Acts, we read that they set apart deacons, or, or ministers, or servants 
whose, whose responsibility was the, the well-being of the people. And we're so grateful, so grateful that many of you have joined the ranks of, of godly women and men in our congregation who have set themselves apart to care for the needs of the flock. And, and our elders constantly are, are blessed and amazed at how well you do that. So um, elders and deacons, I remind you today and call you, um, be, people being ordained, I will not um, ask you to kneel today because if I had to kneel right now, I wouldn't be able to get back up. And so I recognize that that's, but we're kneeling in our hearts, amen? And, uh, and so um, again, I invite the, the people who are being ordained for the first time to be on the ground floor. Is that true? Everybody who's being ordained is on the ground floor and others are behind them. You are, you are good. You're not being ordained today. You're just installed again. But I ask you all, and so elders and deacons who are returning, I ask you to join your voices with the voices of those being ordained today to reaffirm your vows, to reaffirm the covenant of leadership that you have embraced before God and before this congregation. I ask you all, do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, do you? Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and only infallible rule of faith and practice, do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the Westminster Confession of Faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures, do you? Do you promise that if any time you find yourself out of accord with the system of doctrine taught in the Scriptures and contained in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the catechisms of this church, that you will, on your own initiative, make known to the church session the change that has taken place in your views since the assumption of these ordination vows? Do you and will you That was a challenge, wasn't it? What I love about um, our uh, denomination is that there are, are uh, very few things that are absolutely essential, eight of them in, in, in particular. And, and though cultures change and ministry styles change and methods change, there are some things that never change. And we call those the essentials of our faith. And I ask you, elders and deacons, do you affirm and adopt the essentials of our faith without exception? Do you? Do you subscribe to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church? Do you? Do you promise to be in subjection to your fellow elders and deacons? Do you? Have you been induced as far as you know in your own heart to accept this office which you are being ordained or, or installed today for from a love for God, first and foremost, right? From a love of God and a sincere desire to promote his glory and the gospel of his son. Do you? Do you, do you now reaffirm the vows for those of you being installed today who've already been ordained that you took upon your ordination, 
And do you recommit yourself to them in the discharge of your obligations? Do you? All of you, do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel, the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account? Do you? No. So poignant, isn't it? We sit here in, in such safety, and we make those vows so easily, right? But throughout the world, there are men and women making those same vows who may pay for it this day with their life. So we do not take that lightly, amen? We do not take that lightly. Will you be faithful? Will you be diligent in the exercise of your duties, whether personal or relative, private or public? Will you endeavor, by the grace of God, to adorn the profession of the gospel with your manner of life and to walk with exemplary holiness and piety before this congregation, before God, and before the world as you serve in this office? Will you? Are you now willing to take responsibility for the life of this congregation? I'm so grateful for the people present here because you stand in representation of those who are not able to be with us here. You stand in representation of those who don't even know Jesus yet but who will come to faith through this congregation. Are you willing to take responsibility, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed. Are you? I am. Congregation, your faithfulness uh, is such a testimony. Will they always make decisions that uh, you agree with? Will they always be there at the moment that you need them? No, they're human, just like me, just like you. Sometimes they will fall short, but they will Rise and fall on the prayers of the people of God. Do we covenant together as a congregation representing those who are with us today online as well, representing even those who don't yet know Jesus? Will we humble ourselves and submit to their authority as the God-ordained leaders over this flock? Will we? I'm going to ask you one more time. Will we? Praise God. Praise God. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for these women and men. Thank you that you have set them apart for such a time as this, God. And, and though they don't pretend, God, to, to have everything they need to fulfill even the vows that they have made today, in Jesus Christ, God, they have everything that they need. And so, God, we just ask right now that even as we anoint them and set them apart, even as we we remember our existing leaders, God. We invite you to fulfill them with your presence. May joy be the mark of their life, God. May they be overflowing with your Holy Spirit so that everyone who sees them, their spouses, their children, their grandchildren, the neighbors, the, the non-believers who are making their judgments about Jesus because of these women and men might See the glory of God and, and submit to the Lordship of Jesus. So, God, we just set them apart today. 
in the precious and powerful name of Jesus for service in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Are you comfortable if I anoint you with oil? Oh, Tammy, be filled with the Spirit. May the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you now. Betsy, <laughs> you have been so patient with me. You know, I, I think it's just that um, I see so much Jesus in you. I just assume that you've always been a leader. I think that's because you've, in a way, always been a leader to me. It's a blessing. I've always loved you. It's my privilege to anoint you with the oil of joy, a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit who so fills you. God grant Betsy everything she needs to fulfill her vows today. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, my brother, what a privilege to see what God is doing in your life. This has been an amazing couple of years, but you're faithful through it all. And God has not and will not abandon you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, be filled, David, with the the presence of the Holy Spirit. May God grant you everything you need for life and love and leadership. I ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. What a privilege to follow Jesus with you, Miranda. I cherish our small group and the times that we spend um, online over these last years. I, I so respect you and your courage. You have, you've always been so real. You don't pretend to have everything that you need, but you have um, blessed us and honored us by, by stepping into this role of leadership. And I ask right now in Jesus' name that God fill you with his Holy Spirit. May joy be the marker of your life. May God grant you everything you need for life and love and leadership. I ask in Christ's name. I'm not going to grab you by the cheek and, and say, I remember when you were this big. But I do. It's been such a privilege to watch you grow from a tenderfoot scout, actually Cub Scout before that, to an amazing leader in the body of Christ. And I know that, like Jacob, periodically God takes our body out so that our heart might be, um, be bowed before him. And uh, I just am so grateful that you have accepted this responsibility. Christ charges you, your mom charged you way back when with the name Christopher to bear the Christ. I pray right now in Jesus' name that God would grant you everything you need, my brother, to fulfill that obligation. May the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Would you reach out toward our elders and deacons? Would you reach out? And thank you for our returning leaders. Thank you so much for those who are stepping for the very first time into our ordained leadership. I cannot wait to see, God, how you're going to be glorified, how other people are going to be blessed, how eternities are going to be changed and family trees reoriented forever because of their faithfulness. So we ask you right now, give them everything they need to fulfill their obligations. And God, we will praise you. We will rejoice when we stand together in glory and see the fruit of their commitment today. We love them and we entrust them to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated.
Oh my goodness, our great privilege is to worship this God who sets apart all of us, all of us for his holy purpose. We're grateful for those who are called to lead this precious congregation. But as leaders, we are grateful for you and the impact that you're having. Just, just yesterday, we prayer walked virtually uh, the two campuses nearby uh, with SCF leadership. Um, you all have an amazing role and responsibility. And, and so in a sense, we're in this together and we can't wait to see what God is gonna do through you. But for now, let's press pause Let's stand together. Let's worship this God of glory, this God who set us apart from before the foundation of time to honor and worship him together.
privilege to worship you in all your glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that from before the beginning of time, God, you have revealed your glory. You who have forever existed in community together have revealed yourself to us. You have opened that community to us so that we, as women and men, children and students, can experience the presence of God. God, it's, it's a terrifying thing to come into your presence. You who search hearts, you who see beyond our facades, you who know every intimate deal of our lives. But God, I'm so grateful that you who know us still love us. You still invite us to fellowship with you. So God, we ask even now, Holy Spirit, there is anything that's hindering our relationship with you. There is anything that's blocking our experience of God as Father, of Jesus as Lord, or you, Holy Spirit, as, as filling our lives. We just pray that you would bring it to the surface, that you would give us the courage to be able to say to you, oh, I choose, God, by the strength and power of your Holy Spirit to lay this aside. I choose to no longer rebound by my sin. I choose to walk into the light of your presence until nothing remains in my life. God, but your holy presence. Oh, what a privilege, God. I thank you that if, if we will confess our sins, you are faithful. You are just. And you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. So a joy we say to you today. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Help us live today into what is already ours through Jesus Christ. And God will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Please be seated. I invite you to take out your um, to take out your Bibles or your phones, whatever you are comfortable with using. I know it's awkward. We're so used to having extra Bibles right here in our pews, 
so many things have changed in the midst of um, the crisis in which we find ourselves. I wanted to say, while you're turning to Genesis, the very beginning, um, I just want to say to you, I'm so grateful for your humility. In, in, I mean, you have had things put on you that, um, that you think are absolutely ridiculous. And I'm so grateful for that. You humbly accept other things so that nothing could be hindered in your relationship with God. And, and I know that this is a season, and this season will one day be over, but what a privilege to be able to walk with you in the midst of it. Our Old Testament reading today comes from the book of Genesis. And I'm going to sing some, or sing, I'm going to read some very familiar words to you. And my goal today is to, is to um, tempt you. Ooh, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Talking about Genesis. But to tempt you into a deeper study of God's word. So we're going to scratch the surface of some things today that we'll explore in the coming weeks. But, uh, but we're going to scratch the surface of them today through God's word. Genesis 1, and we're just going to read through verse 5 today because it's kind of a prototype of the rest of Genesis 1. Hear the very word of God, would you? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering One translation puts brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, in the midst of that, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day, the very word of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. Now, keep your finger there. That's where we'll spend the bulk of our time today. But turn with me over to the very first verses of the New Testament. So the Gospel of John, if you're using a, a physical Bible, it's about three quarters of the way through your Bible. Uh, the New Testament begins and uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the very first words of John, the Gospel of John, we're going to read today from John chapter 1. I'm going to skip a couple verses for time's sake, but we will read beginning at verse 1. It's going to sound very familiar. We just heard these words in Genesis 1. In the beginning, John writes, was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now watch this. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Isn't this beautiful? The light shines in the darkness. Amen? And the darkness has not overcome it. But jump down to verse 9. Excuse me, verse 8. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, the very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. What a privilege. What a privilege, God, to worship you. Would you take this word, God, in the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, and, and, and God, would you, um, would you receive them, God, as an offering to you? Would you be blessed by them? And God, I just pray that we would be an acceptable offering in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Well, wow. I've shared with you in weeks past, and I'm, I'm only walked this earth for six decades, um, but, but I've never seen a time like this, a time of so much confusion, a time uh, where, where things that, that for generations, I would say for millennia, we believe to be true are being turned upside down. We're being asked to believe something that absolutely, believe many things, that absolutely shake our world and turn us upside down. No, no. It makes sense to me that, that if, if we are finite and God is infinite, there will always be truths that are new to us. Amen? There's always going to be something about God that we have not encountered before. And so we're going to be lifelong learners. But the things that are are being pressed upon us, the things that we're being asked to believe are not necessarily the things of God. And, and our culture has been turned upside down by a redefining of things that are very important. Even, even the core idea of what does it mean to be human, right, has been turned upside down, and you've been asked, and, and sometimes, as we prepare next week to, to bless our teachers, sometimes required to say things and, and act in ways that you know are not true. Oh, my gosh, we're in such danger, are we not? Because if you do that for long enough, if you live in a way that's incongruous with what you know to be true, if you continue in your workplace to, to, um, to speak things that you know not to be true, then, then, then you become dismembered. You become uh, torn apart. And all of a sudden, you don't know any longer what is true and what is not. So, so um, the challenge for us in tumultuous times like this is, is to go back to a source of truth, something greater than ourselves, and, and to rediscover what does it mean to be human, right? What does it mean? What is, what is the not just science of humanity. Um, science is ever-growing. It's ever-changing. We believe things now that we didn't believe two weeks ago. Um, science believes things now that we didn't believe two weeks ago. But even beyond what we can observe and see with our own eyes, 
There is a beauty. There is a glory. There is a majesty. There is an art, if you would, to being human. And over the next few weeks with you, next eight weeks in particular, I want to I rediscover what that is. And, I, and I'm going to take you, I want to take you to, to the very first book of the Bible to do that. Because I believe that in this, this very first book of the Bible, there's a foundation laid that will sustain you through these storms of life that we're facing right now. I'm not just talking about the pestilence, though, that that is true. That is true. God's word will sustain you through that. But I'm really thinking about the, the intellectual storms and, and the cultural wars that are raging right now for your heart, for your mind, for your understanding. And, and I want to I take you back to the very first foundation. Why? Why are we going to study Genesis together? I mean, isn't, isn't that just... just um, the ramblings and the stories of an ancient religious culture. Oh, many believe that, right? Many think that. But for followers of Jesus, Jesus believed Genesis to be true. So followers of Jesus are going to have to wrestle with that. Will it sometimes put you in conflict with the culture around you? Absolutely. But Jesus never promised, right? He never promised that we wouldn't be in conflict with the culture around us. One of our weekly Bible studies is going to be studying that together over the next eight weeks, cultures and conflict, right? Um, the, the reality is, is that we have to understand who we are and what we believe in the midst of the culture wars so that so it's somewhere, as, as it becomes increasingly dark again, somewhere there might be a point of light, a woman or a man who says, no, I know truth. And, and this is truth, even in the midst of it. So, so we're going to look at Genesis because Genesis is a foundation for all the rest of the Bible, for starters, but also, I believe, for all the rest of life, right? And, and, and I, I say life, and I cannot help myself but say, not only are we going to uh, see foundations for how to live now in the midst of where we are, but we're also going to peek back over the fence I'm using imagery, I'll explain in a second, to uh, even before there was time. Genesis allows us to look back over that fence and see what, what was true before there was even time. And, and in, a, in a marvelous thing, we can go to the other side of the yard and look over the other fence into the future. And Genesis lays a foundation that is is brought together in the very last chapters. The first chapter of the Bible is, is completely congruous with the very last chapter of the Bible, and Genesis allows us to peek over that fence. Why do I keep using this fence analogy? Because when I was first, I think it was, it must have been third grade, I was, I was um, sitting in my backyard in Scottsdale, Arizona, trying to wrap my brain around God and around eternity and I was staring at the back fence. I've shared this with you before. And, and all of a sudden, I had an epiphany. I, I had this amazing insight that eternity was like my backyard, right? And, and, and it stretched out as almost as far as I could see. But then there was this fence in the back. And I felt so much safety. 
And I felt so much comfort, right, knowing that my world was fenced in, and, and that lasted for about three minutes. And then it dawned on me, what's on the other side of the fence, right? And, and Genesis allows us to look on the other side of the, our fenced-in lives and see God's hand from the very beginning to the very end. So, so we will, with joy, look to God's word, and especially this very first book of the Bible, to understand uh, God, to understand ourselves, and to understand God's plan for us. Genesis lays a foundation. I would be remiss if I didn't say a big part of that. You saw just a few moments ago people making covenants. Did you hear all those I do's and I wills and I haves and I am's, right? They were making amazing covenant with you, followers of Jesus, both here in the room and also online. And, and I, I share with you, there's something beautiful about making promises. No matter how broken your life is, you can today begin to be a person of your word. You can today begin to make and keep promises that will bless you, that will help build in you a life of integrity, but also will bless other people as well, right? And so I'm driving our, our camera guy nuts back there, so I'm going to move over here and try and stay closer so he can follow me. So, so the other um, powerful, there are many powerful ideas, but and another powerful idea in Genesis is the beauty of making promises and keeping them. I'm going to take even a stronger word, the beauty of um, covenanting together with other people. So Genesis is a powerful foundation for us. But you know what I really love about this? Again, possibly yours, but, but certainly for most of the world, they look at Genesis as an anachronism, right? Has no relevance with our lives right now. But here's, here's the deal. Genesis speaks to all kinds of issues that are all over the front pages of our newspapers. They're all over our, our, our feeds on the internet, right? Genesis speaks to all these issues. Let me just try a couple of them with you, right? And you tell me if, if I'm not talking about the very things that are facing us today. How about the origin of the universe? How about creation versus evolution? How about human dignity? Has that been on the front page lately? Right? How about gender? How about marriage? How about sin, deception, greed, murder, abuse, war, immorality, oppression. How about all of these things, right? Genesis speaks to those. And so don't, don't uh, succumb to the lie around you that, that Genesis doesn't have anything to say to us. Oh, my gosh. There's amazing things to say to us. We're going to study it because it's a foundation. We're going to study it because it speaks to us today. But we're going to study it also because it's an amazing story of God, of God, right? That it, it tells God's story. And, and we're so used to telling our stories. We have myriad ways of doing that online, right? Uh, I can follow your stories. I love doing that. 
online. But what Genesis does is invites your story to interact with God's story. And you realize there's a much greater story going on, whether you were ever conscious of it or not, that directly affects you, right? That directly affects you. And, and not only is it an amazing story, but it's beautifully written. It's masterfully written, right? It has, it has uh, good guys. It has bad guys. It has plot. It has amazing surprises. Remember just a few months ago, uh, now probably a year ago now, when we were studying Joseph, right? And we saw his life literally in the pit, right? And, and, and we were asking ourselves, God, where are you in the midst of life in the pits? And then we saw the, the culmination of that story where Joseph says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And the very people that threw him into the pit were bowing before him. Oh my gosh, there's all kinds of surprises in this story as well. And there'll be some surprises for us. There'll be some surprises for us too in this story. And sometimes you will be so mad at me. And sometimes you will dismiss me and, and um, say, you're just, you are just Pollyannish. Um, but, but I ask you, let's look at the story as God tells it. Let's open our hearts to God's word about our lives. Oh, I could go on forever, but let me just highlight one more aspect of why we are studying Genesis. I don't know if I can say this well, but Genesis relativizes our lives. It puts our lives in eternal perspective. And, and, and you're thinking, yeah, it's like when I go out at night, I look at the stars, and I think, oh, my gosh, God, I am just this blip on a screen, a breath, as, as the psalmist put, you know, a, a, a grass that grows up and, and then withers. I'm, I'm so insignificant. Um, Genesis helps us to understand where we fit in the large scheme of things. But here's the deal. Genesis does that. Genesis relativizes our lives without emptying our lives of significance. In fact, if anything, uh, Genesis gives us amazing significance as human beings, but also as individuals as well. People set apart for God's glory. So so I just want to invite you, let's drink deep of that together. And some of you are going to begin today even. Some of you are going to look really seriously at beginning at 1030 at the, um, at the word of God. I invite all of you uh, to, to go deeper with me into Genesis 1 and also John 1 today together. But I want to, I want to um, just highlight a couple of things. I want to pique your interest a little bit in it. Genesis says some powerful, 10 powerful words right at the very beginning. And even if you understood nothing else from the rest of the Bible, these 10 words would transform your life if you were able to grasp them, if you were able to understand. Interesting that we're studying Genesis and there's a deluge going on outside. I don't think it's the big one yet, but, but, um, but it's pouring down rain outside. So what are those 10 words in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created 
the heavens and the earth. Again, we're so used to those words that they just roll them by. Okay, tell me, tell me the good stuff. That is the good stuff, right? That is the good stuff. There is this prime mover. The, the word that is used there is, is powerful. Remember, I talked about peeking over the fence. The word that's used there is Elohim, and the word Elohim is plural. You might be tempted to think, well, God's created the heavens and the earth, but, but the Bible will not allow us to do that because the verb that follows it, created, bavar, is singular, right? And so as we peek over the fence, we see that there is the singular entity, God, that is, has a plurality, right? Does that sound familiar? Just a few verses later, it'll say, and the Spirit of God was brooding over the waters, right? So already we're peeking over the fence and seeing that forever, eternity past, God has existed in, in three people, three persons. Well, later we'll see how he unpacks that, uh, the Father imagery to help us understand and grasp, and the Son, the loving Son, right, and, and the Holy Spirit. But even at the very beginning, in the first ten words, we, we see the, the foundation laid for what won't be fully developed until the Gospel of John, but then, but then really fully developed until that same author, uh, God granted a vision in Revelation uh, of the culmination of all time. So, so in the beginning, God, God, right? But God, God was busy. He was creating. This word, Bavar, only appears in relationship to God. In other words, there's an aspect of, other places he'll use words like fashioned and made, and he'll use several other words, but, but those words are used commonly, and human beings do some of those same things. This one only happens with God as the subject. And the implication is that God did something that had never been done before. God made something beautiful out of nothing. Anchor yourself in that, right? Anchor yourself in that. God made something beautiful out of nothing. Now, it's so tempting to want to argue in, in these different points, and people will do that. They'll talk about the timing. They'll talk about uh, how God did it. I want to, just in the, the couple minutes I have left today, just encourage you, think first. Now, all those other questions will be answered. But think first about the why question. Why did God do that? Because I want to suggest to you that in Genesis, we will find purpose for life. And, and Moses, who we believe wrote these words, was trying to communicate to people who already trusted and believed in the existence of God. But Moses was trying to encourage them. And, and in these words, we find our meaning and purpose for life. Let me just summarize these, I chose just one snippet, the very first day of creation, because I want you to see a pattern. In my Bible, I mark it up with different colors. I've seen several of you do that, too. And, and eight times in the first 25 verses, um, the Bible says, God said. How did God create the heavens and the earth? He spoke it into existence. God said it. And then the second thing you see six times is, and it was so. Right? God said it, and it was so. And then the third thing in these brief verses that, that um, 
repeats over and over again, God says, it was good. It was good. So as you open God's word, as you dip into Genesis 1, we'll be back in Genesis 1 next week as well. But as you dip into Genesis 1 this week, as you as you return to this amazing foundation for all of life and culture, as you, as you enter into it, remember a couple of things. God is still speaking. It's not like he spoke and then uh, there's actually a whole uh, belief system that way. It's called theism that he spoke and then stepped back and said, I hope this works out. No, he, he spoke and is still speaking. He created and he is still creating. In the next few minutes, I'm going to meet with a a young couple who's getting married, and God is going to take two individual lives, and in this miracle, he's going to make them one, right? God is still in the business of miracles. He's still in the business of creating. He's still speaking. Are you listening? Are you listening? And God is still making something good out of chaos. Don't lose hope. In the midst of all the raging physical, emotional, cultural, spiritual warfare that's going on, don't lose hope. The God who created the world, the God who has forever existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is still sustaining. He will sustain you as well. I don't want you to miss. If you have time this week, go also to John 1, right? Because we learned something powerful. And their worship team, come on up if you would. We learned something powerful in John 1. And, And it's this, that he was there in the beginning. Who is this word? This word that became flesh and dwelt among us is Jesus Christ. And we learn in John 1 that Jesus was there in the beginning. He was the creative agent of God. There was nothing made that has been made, John said, that that Jesus did not make, right? He was the creative uh, agent. In him, in Jesus, was life, right? And that life was the light of men invited our Sunday school classes today to think, has there been somebody in your life that just lit your life up? Has there been someone that lit the room up when they walked in it? That's what Jesus does. does. He, he is life. And when he comes into your life, when he comes into your room, he brings life and light to everything. So I invite you, wrestle but the fact that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created everything. Wrestle with the fact that he created you and that what he created is good, is good and beautiful. And God who created you will never leave you or forsake you. You'll just invite him into a deeper relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, help us to open our hearts and minds to you. Just as we have called in 
in the past upon the name of God. Help us to risk believing, Jesus, in God, but also in you. And crying out that name, that beautiful name, Jesus. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, my King. 
What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. They are tore before you, silence of boast, a sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal. is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. Holy, holy, are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb, for you are holy, holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. God, thank you that Jesus is worthy. You loved us so much that you left your throne, Jesus, to come and live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved, to rise from the grave and to break the power of sin and disease and even death. Do it again, God. We're surrounded by those things. Do it again. And God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will, we will give you the glory. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, please be seated just for one more moment. Beginning with those of you in the back, they'll um, dismiss you. And uh, we will so look forward to seeing you online in Sunday school at 1030 or here physically or online next Sunday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Jesus Christ.